Welcome to It Is Always Now with Marty Long. Get ready to open up and let true joy into your life. Join Marty for conversations about inclusivity and respect, the importance of curiosity, and making change happen. Your journey of exploration and discovery into the greater world around us begins now. Here's Marty. Greetings. My name is Marty Long. My goal is to encourage you to awaken your curiosity. Curiosity is what keeps us seeking and finding truth and lasting joy. So you know, the video that's posted with this podcast is not directly related to what I'm going to say. It's just some pictures from some of my travels. And yes, you read it correctly. The title of this podcast is Travel, Intrigue, Enlightenment, and Contentment. Trust me, it will all make sense. Have you heard of the three monkeys? I asked a friend of mine who's in her 20s that question. She clearly had no idea what I was talking about, which is what I pretty much expected, and it's all good. But it seems the idea is still floating around, because I recently found a set of the three monkeys. Now, the three monkeys each have a different message. One has its hands over its eyes. One has its hands over its ears. One has its hands over its mouth. Now, I grew up being told that this meant see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Well, after purchasing my newfound set of monkeys, I brought them home and showed them to my husband. He also liked them, and we discussed the meaning of the monkeys. To my surprise, he has a diabolically opposed view for mine. To him, they are not an example to follow. They are a warning. Don't cover your eyes. Open them. See the beauty around you. Don't cover your ears. Listen. Hear the birds sing. Learn from what others have to say. Don't cover your mouth. Sing. Laugh. Tell people you love them. Okay, I embellished his version a bit, but you get the idea. I like that. I'm going with that from now on. This demonstrates how two people can look at the same things and see them in a totally different light. I believe this is what happens when we engage with people from other cultures. We can dismiss them out of hand, close our eyes, cover our ears, conclude they have nothing to teach us, isolate ourselves, or we can open our eyes, discover new ways to look at life, open our ears, listen. I find this most often leads to a deeper appreciation, a clearer understanding of life and the world in general. If you watch PBS very often, as I do, you've surely seen the ad by the Viking Cruise founder. He emphasizes how we grow and learn and keep our minds and hearts active and alive by interacting with the world around us. Everyone has something to teach us. The more people we interact with, the more we learn. The first time I became aware of travel was when I was young. 
One of my grandmother's cousins and his wife would come and show us their travel movies. They went everywhere. I was immediately hooked. I knew at the tender age of five that was what I wanted to do. And as it, as it has turned out, I have had the privilege, yes, it's a privilege, of traveling to some different places and interesting sites. Now, let's dig in and look closer at the three words in the title of this podcast. Intrigue. A practice of engaging in secret schemes is what Webster tells us. Okay, not the first word that probably comes to mind when travel is mentioned, but to me, it means there's something more than meets the eye. It makes me want to dig deeper to see what's really behind it all. And I can assure you that if you travel with this attitude, you'll get much more out of the experience. Enlightenment, edification, knowledge, learning, contentment. Another word you may not normally associate with travel. But here are three thesaurus words I found that make my point. Gratification, happiness, satisfaction. Well, here is how I blend these words together. If you're really curious, intrigued, open-minded as you travel, you will be more likely to engage and be open so much more with the experiences that you have. You look at the unexpected. You don't dismiss it out of hand just because it's different. This is how we become enlightened. And I find that when I get back home and ponder and think about the experiences and look at my pictures, I find contentment, as in gratification, happiness, and satisfaction. Now, I want to get this in here because I found over and over that if I have seen travel shows about a place, you know, like the one Rick Steves does on PBS, and then I go to that same place, it's pretty much how he presented it, and he also talks about the culture, which is to say that if you do not have the opportunity to travel, you can still learn from what others have seen, you can still connect with other cultures through this avenue. And what about our society? We are the melting pot. We have so many cultures here in our own country. Look for opportunities to get to know some of these people. Listen to them. Let them share their worldview with you. You'll be amazed. So now I want to share a few of my experiences I want to share some of the lessons my travels have taught me, observations I've made over the years that I'm quite certain I wouldn't have fully recognized without those experiences. Number one, grocery stores. Didn't see that coming, did you? Now, grocery stores use tremendous amounts of electricity keeping food cool or frozen. I looked it up and Costco alone has 849 warehouses in this country. If you've been to Costco, you know that they have four or five rows of huge freezers and cooling facilities that keep the food cool or frozen. 
Add to that all the freezers and coolers in all the grocery stores in our country and including in our homes. Now, Europe has discovered a way to package milk and eggs so they don't require refrigeration. They can sit on a regular shelf right there. Huge savings in electricity. Why haven't we thought of that? And I will tell you that when we spent a month in Spain a while back, the first time I went to the grocery store, I spent quite a bit of time looking for eggs and milk in the grocery store until I happened to turn down an aisle and saw them sitting on a shelf. And yes, I was surprised. Number two, food is about family. In our country, we tend to see food as utilitarian, especially during the week. But even holidays like Thanksgiving can become a challenge, a contest, seen as a duty. Now, not all families, of course, but it's still not quite the same as I have sensed in other countries. The most recent example was when my husband and I were on a cruise, and one of the excursions we took was to a village outside of Malaga, Spain. There were 30 of us on the bus, and there were three homes prepared to each take 10 of us and serve us a Spanish home-cooked meal. It was a delightful experience. There the food was a way of sharing their culture. And as I watched the mother and son who were preparing and serving this meal, I could tell that's how they saw it. I have a picture of them. It's one of my favorite memories of the trip. And if you watch my little travel video, you'll see that picture. Now, it just so happens that we do something similar in our home. When we have family over, once we sit at the table in the dining room, we stay there. After the main meal, we visit. Eventually, some of the women get up and clear the table and bring out dessert. Later, we add after-dinner drinks. We never leave the table, which is why I have to make sure we have very comfortable chairs in the dining room. I think one reason this happens in our family is because my husband grew up in a home that had an old-world Italian background. These things carry over to generations. He loves to tell stories of the grandparents in New York, how they cook the sauce all day. They'd walk by and add something else, taste it, and yet it always tasted the same. And when they had a big family gathering, they had a table spread out through the entire apartment. Number three, community is about family. You see, there's a connection. Food is about family. Community is about family. Other countries do tend to put a lot more focus on family than we do here. Here's Webster's definition on community. People with common interests living in a particular area. A group linked by a common policy. Common character, likeness. Can you tell? Webster let me down here. He needs to add another definition to that list. One that says community is about family. But the very fact that he doesn't mention it 
even makes my point more clear when I say we just don't put the same emphasis on family that other countries do. Because of this, often in one community, you have many family members living within close distances. They acquire more homes and grow as the family grows. It's all part of a community. On the same cruise I mentioned earlier, we had an excursion in Tuscany, Italy. We traveled by bus to a town where the Bocelli family had lived for 300 years. Yes, I'm talking about Andre Bocelli, the opera singer, and his family. Now, my husband and I had envisioned and assumed there would be a large estate. But no, the family owns many separate homes throughout the area that they acquired as the family grew. They never left the table, so to speak. While there, we had a lovely luncheon that included wine produced by the family and a concert performed by two of Andre's colleagues. Another experience we will always remember. And there are some pictures of this as well in my little video. Now, let's circle back to contentment. Money is not the key to happiness. Contentment is you can have a lot of money and only be focused on getting more. Even if you're wealthy, you can still envy others who have more even than you do. I call this a zero-sum game. If we use what we have to create a life that is passed on from generation to generation, that fosters contentment, that creates meaningful life, a life worth living, well, that's what I feel life should be about. Back to Webster's definition of contentment. Gratification, happiness, satisfaction. So I find it is with life in general. We start out, we pick a path that seems perfect. It looks delightful, we're full of promise, and always disappointments creep in because we really don't have control over what life throws at us. But we do have control on what we choose to focus on. We can focus on the disappointments and wallow in self-pity, or we can focus on the unexpected beauty that always appears when you least expect it. Now, it's not always easy, but if we look for the beauty, we will find it. The key I have found is contentment combined with never giving up. You see, contentment does not mean I will give in or give up. It means to me that I will enjoy and be thankful for what I have while ever continuing to search for more, to always be learning from the world around me. I have found that being in a contented and thankful mode makes me more open and able to recognize the beauty I'm looking for. It allows me to absorb the beauty of the differences around me. For me, this is what brings inner peace. It is about balance and peace of mind. We'll leave it there for now. But don't forget, it's always time to stop and be thankful. 
Now is always the time to ponder our blessings. It is always now. <laughs>